KZSU, Stanford University's FM radio station, broadcasting across the Bay Area on 90.1 FM and across the world at kzsu.org. From the campus of Stanford University, this is the Modern Architect radio show and podcast, featuring one-on-one interviews with renowned and cutting-edge architects, influencers, and sustainability leaders. The show and podcast will inform, educate, and illuminate the transformation, joy, and inspiration architecture brings to our cities, communities, and lives. Hosted by architecture aficionado and principal of Accurate Architectural, this is Tom Dioro. Thank you, Shay. For our guest today, please, let's welcome Steve Stenton, Russ Nichols, and Stephanie Silkwood of RMW. RMW is an innovative, award-winning architecture and interior design firm with a collaborative culture. Their mission is to create inspired human environments through the power of responsible design. You can find them on the web at rmw.com. That's rmw.com. Hello, Steve, Russ, and Stephanie. We're excited and honored for you to be on The Modern Architect today. Yeah, thanks for having us. Oh, honored. Believe me. Thank you very much for, for coming. We're very happy you're here. Um, share with us a bit how you all met and uh, what it's like to work together and uh, maybe even touch on the culture and mission of RMW. Feel free. Uh, I'll start that off a little bit by maybe just kind of a, a general <clears throat> uh, kind of idea of how most practices tend to come together is that you're either going to find um, a group of like-minded people that have either started a firm or you're going to find a firm that, that has already established that and then finding those same like-minded people that are drawn to it. And I'd mm-hmm. say RMW uh, initially uh, started as, as the former. It was uh, founded um, in 1970 by uh, three partners who were actually college roommates. They came out here from um, the uh, University of Pennsylvania and um, started a practice. Oh, 1970. And 1970. The year. Okay. So it's, uh, we're celebrating, uh, it'll be 47 years uh, of practice. Outstanding. So, so uh, I would say that that same kind of attitude and, and culture that was, that was driven by the three founders is something that's carried through with the firm and, and um, it's probably been the magnet that's brought uh, most of us uh, to the firm. Ah. Excellent. Now, Stephanie, uh, you, you've uh, become part of RMW. Are you one of the more recent uh, yeah, partners, I've been, principals, associates? Uh, RMW for okay. eight years now, and I'm a job captain there. And so my role at RMW is really just a little bit of everything. So I take most of my work is in seeing the project vision get turned into a reality. And then, um, you know, I try to have a little bit of a part in business development when I can and, um, you know, kind of bringing the firm culture forward. And um, so, like I said, eight years at RMW and to Russ's point, you know, it's it's a culture of, you know, like-minded people and, oh. and that's what's kept me there for eight years. Oh, great. Now, Steve's over here. You, you, know, you can't see because obviously it's radio, but Steve's over there opposite me on the other end of the uh, of the, ta- the car conference room. It's a, it's a, we call it Studio A and... Uh, a number of famous people have been here, including uh, RMW. So, Steve, tell us a little bit about uh, how you've uh, 
Well, that's a great lead in Famous People, and I'm speaking next. <laughs> there you go. So uh, I've been with RMW for coming up on uh, 21 years now. Uh, I'm a, a project architect, so a licensed architect. Um, sort of my roles and responsibilities have, have changed over that period of time. I, I was hired on as a, a job captain, you know, sort of an intermediate-level job captain, and, uh, you know, through experience mm-hmm. and, and um you know, just gaining knowledge and, and so on and so forth through the process. I'm uh, I'm now a senior, sort of a senior project uh, architect in the firm. I oversee, um, you know, projects from start to finish, you know, part of it from conceptual design, part of the, the you know, the city process, mm-hmm. uh, all the way through, you know, the construction process. Nice. So the type of projects that you work with, um, uh, are they commercial, health, uh, scholastic. What is there a, a range that you uh, there, specialize there, in? There's a variety of work that okay. we'll do. It's it's all relationship based. Um, so there there's there's a, the, the one thing that, that is somewhat unique about the firm is not so much you know a bunch of smart business people sitting around the table deciding what markets we should be in. It's really about the type of work that the leaders have passion about, and okay. so the firm. Um, was initially founded looking to get involved in commercial architecture, and actually its first commission was a large uh, commercial interiors project. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and, and from that, that's continued. And so the, the practice of the firm for its entire existence has always been about a 50-50 split of architecture and interiors. And it's developed a real strong philosophy that says that our architecture, in a commercial standpoint, from a commercial building or any building, is better because we understand what goes on in the inside. So there's okay. always an attitude of designing from the inside out. So it's a comprehensive um, thought process that gets put into every yeah. single project. Um, so so that attitude is carried through, and as in most of the work has been, um, it's commercially focused, just given our environment where we live. We do an awful lot of um, higher technology. Um, oh, yeah, okay. You know, work with, with a lot of technology companies. We've done some educational work, some healthcare. Um, we stay away from residential. That's just a completely different animal okay. uh, altogether. Uh, we've done some, but it's usually because it's being at a request of a client um, and of a little bit larger scale. But um, yeah, predominantly, it's a it's a commercial um, ground up architecture, master planning, and um, interior design. Firm. Okay. Now, how did you you mentioned relationship based? Uh, obviously, uh, how do you uh, get the, begin the relationships with people if you can? kind of recall do they do you really focus on who they are and what they want to do or uh, um, you know how would you measure that if there's yeah, such a well, way it, it's I think that it, what's interesting is is it's how do you start a relationship if it's a cold marketing opportunity is one thing but I think for most people in the firm and for us at the table and, and myself I'm the old guy here I, I've been <laughs> with the firm for over 30 years and um, never thinking that Business development and marketing was part of what I do. I, I was in it for the design. Mm-hmm. And so working through my career of having different design opportunities, uh, working on different types of projects, and somehow the projects just magically showed up because whoever's ahead of me leading the firm uh, is providing opportunity. And you don't realize it going through your career, you're developing strong relationships, whether it's a, it's a consultant you worked with, a client you worked with, a general contractor, anyone in the industry you're developing relationships if you enjoy what you do. And all these other people are also growing in their field. And in their so they're going with you. They're growing okay. with you. And before you know it, your network is quite large. And you have a lot of dialogue, a lot of opportunity, and it's and it's just without 
without focusing and pursuing it, you just realize you're in an environment that needs a service and you're mm-hmm. capable of doing a service and you have these relationships, so you start to build on that. Yeah. And then once you get entrenched, it you then are more focused and you 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 nurture those relationships. You continue to to um, you know to to be a support structure, um, and you know good things come out of that. Yeah. How do you find the kind of people that that reflect your values? At RMW, I, that seems like it could be a challenge, especially with, as I talked to you earlier in, our, in the green room, um, that's uh, that's something that uh, is hard to develop, at least in my opinion. How do you find a way to measure it's the a kind cha- of people? It's a, it's a challenge. It's easy to develop a strategy to do that and to understand who you are and the type of clients that you want. We're in a profession that is hard to control that because no matter what we get excited about the bright shiny object if there's a design opportunity that's out there the juices start flowing you know you say this is the time that that can be a great client Mm -hmm. because you really want to get involved in that design opportunity Um, so you're always pushing that Um, but at the end of the day uh, this is a profession where you need to be all in it's not just a nine-to-five job you know you is projects become personal they have a piece of you in them so it's 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 an emotional profession, so you've got to enjoy it. And so um, just by doing that, you, you try to find most of our clients, most of my clients, and most people I work with are people that I'd also consider um, our friends. Okay. And, and so um, it, it makes that back and forth uh, conversation and, and approach and, and um, effort you know, so much more uh, enjoyable yeah. and successful. Excellent. So you consider them friends. Uh, uh, Steve, you, you, you carry the project, obviously, from beginning to completion. And I think even the completion actually could be the beginning of another project. How do you uh, carry that sort of friendship um, and keep that personal and business balanced? Um. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's a good question. Uh, and for me, it's uh, it's a pretty easy thing to do. Um, I mean, I uh, really personalities and and how you sort of interact on a day to day basis with the other people uh, on a project. Mm-hmm. You know, on your own uh, on your own team, on W, uh, outside the firm with consultants, uh, with with clients, uh, with contractor. You know, even with subcontractors and uh, you you really touch uh, you touch everybody. Conversations touch um, across you know uh, everybody. It's not just us and our consultants or us and mm-hmm. our and our clients. So for me, um, I know this sort of sounds cliche, but it actually is, is true for me. And that is, uh, you know, the journey is okay. as important as the end result. Um, you know, there's a Nice. A project that we worked on, um, you know, quite a few years ago that um, this is a perfect example of that. You know, it's uh, it was a project over on the coast at Cabrillo College, and we had a, um, you know, sort of a, it was a challenging environment with the uh, owner-architect contractor, mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, just being a public project. Uh, but for me, when I was asked, I want to say it was... It was, a, it was a few years ago about what was what was your favorite project that you you know you worked on. Mm-hmm. And in all honesty, it, it took me a moment to think it through because I, I worked on some great projects. You know, I worked on uh, with some great developers, uh, some great relationships, um, and I I hold them all very dearly to me. 
Um, oh, you really care. I do. I do. <laughs> yeah. I do. Um, yeah. And and it turned out uh, in my own mind that this this particular project uh, at Cabrillo is uh, one of my most memorable. You know, it's my yeah. most memorable because it was about um, uh, part of the success of that project, not just the outcome of of the design and the success that Cabrillo's had with that building, with that with those buildings, with that project. But it was um, it was a challenge for me. Yeah. It was a challenge. You know, I'm a I'm a pretty calm, collected guy. Yeah. Um, you know, Russ is maybe too calm and collected sometimes. <laughs> but, uh, I, this, I remember the story so well, and I remember you saying that that was a project that um, where I was a, the project principal on it, and so I saw the contract side of it. I saw it from the outside. I saw it from the challenges that usually went when I would be brought the table because Steve had everything handled. And I saw how difficult how this problem was, but I saw how personally he invested he, he was with the project. And we had some challenges getting through it. It's a great project, and, and the owner uh, is as happy as they can be about it. Our, our challenge was a publicly bid yeah. job, so it was, it was basically contractor-related and just the execution. <clears throat> the execution was painful. But at the end of the day, it was a very successful project. And so I remember this conversation we were having this, and it's yeah, that was my favorite project. Wow. <laughs> so the most challenging was your most favorite, sounds yeah, like. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, even a surprise to me. Yeah, <laughs> you have to be 100% into the game. You know, yeah, that's, yeah. That's the only way you can get through those projects. Yeah, I noticed on the, in the, uh, the, on your, on the website the testimonials, and they're pretty quite glowing, I thought, but I noticed a theme or a thread that connected them all was um, there was that personal relationship that they felt that they had with you. Um, I, I didn't always say the duration of the project, but some of them I can imagine were several years long, and to have that on a consistent basis is really a challenge, which brings me to another question. How much of your work is actual design, and how much is, I guess, psychology or 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 uh, uh, hand holding, yeah. Part bartender. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Share with me. Yeah. How, is yeah. there a percent? If you can do yes, to, out of a hundred, how much is actual design, and then how much is actual interaction with your clients, with uh, cities, with everything? It's all projects are different. There's there certainly is a misconception out there, right? In just the the general <clears throat> understanding of design architecture, is that it's all about design, and then it magically gets built. Uh, it's um, you would you'll probably the, the the focus of design may be you know thirty percent of the project. There's so much involved in just the front end of getting a set up, the process of going through entitlements and approvals and permitting and, and city process, um, the technical drawings that it takes to put a project together is a lot of work. So the focus of of design, conceptual design, schematic design, and the development may be about a thirty percent of the phase. But a project is going to carry design all the way through it. And you've, got to, you've got to have that design idea, the design mind, because every single project is a prototype. You know, it's not, mm -hmm. It hasn't been done before. So no matter how well thought out a design idea it may be, as you get into the technical drawings to prepare it, you're going to find some things that you need to modify. You get into the, the build of it, the, the, the checks and balances of, <clears throat> of review. It's a constant design process going through. Um, uh, but the but the the front end focus you know is, is a little more more limited. Mm -hmm. um, there is so much to the profession that isn't seen. I mean the the relationship that you have with 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 all of the entities with your client, um, and it depends on the type of project. You know that's one of the reasons I guess why I have not been drawn to residential work okay. because imagine um, a residential project, your own home, every decision, 
is so important and so emotional. You sure. can spend hours talking about, you know, a door pull. You <laughs> yeah. know, um, and and, uh, and they do. And they do. Yeah, yeah, they <laughs> so, do. Um, so depending on on the project, depending on, is it a project where your client is 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 a committee? Um, is it a stakeholder? Is it a visionary um, a person driving something? We'll kind of engage the amount of investment you're going to have just on the relationship side to deliver yeah. versus uh, just delivering a good design product and then the execution of it. Yeah. You're listening to The Modern Architect, KZSU, Stanford, 90.1 FM. We're talking today with Steve Stenton, Russ Nichols, and Stephanie of RMW Architecture and Interiors. You can find more information about them on their website at rmw.com. That's rmw.com. Operation USA helps communities across the nation and around the world deal with disasters, disease, and poverty by providing privately funded relief and other aid. The organization's philosophy is to offer material and financial assistance to grassroots organizations that can help with sustainable development, education, and health services. More than 97% of money donated to Operation USA goes to its programs. If you'd like to donate, please visit opusa.org. That's opusa.org. You're listening to The Modern Architect, KZSU, Stanford, 90.1 FM. We're talking today with Steve Stenton, Russ Nichols, and Stephanie of RMW Architecture and Interiors. You can find more information about them on their website at rmw.com. That's rmw.com. What are a couple of interesting projects locally that you've done in the last, say, year or so? You mentioned before there's uh, Cabrillo, Cabrillo uh, technology. What what sort of regional projects have you done recently? Uh, well, so there's uh, there's a couple of projects that uh, that are in the works. Personally, that I'm working on right now. Uh, one is 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 it's a sort of a four phase project, um, and we're in we'll call it phases three and four right now, sort of going in tandem. Uh, it's a developer uh, project we're working on with Mental Equities uh, in Santa Clara. It's uh, about a, a, a 1.6 million square feet of, of office space. Uh, it's comprised of um, three four-story buildings, a six-story that's that's just finished completion. Uh, Aruba Networks is going in, and then uh, three eight-story buildings in a, in a two-story amenities building uh, that's housing its new home for uh, for. Uh, Palo Alto Networks. Okay. So that's taken uh, quite a bit of my time over you know over the past few years, uh, but it'll uh, sort of in its final final stages. It's going to finish up uh, late spring this year. Uh, also included is a couple of parking garages along with that. Uh, oh, yeah. That standalone imagine, or, or uh, standalone okay. garages. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So if you can imagine 1.6 million square feet getting built out, nice. you got a garage that houses over. 3,000 cars, and then another garage that uh, has about 1,000 cars. So it's a, it's a small little city. <laughs> yeah, no, and it sounds like it. What type of uh, new technologies that have you found or materials or that you're utilizing in the last, say, you know, four or five years? Yeah, so on, breakthrough? on that on that project, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, there's nothing new, uh, nothing that we wanted to necessarily beta test or, or such, but, you know, um, there's another project that we uh, 
uh, are working on that we've just finished phase <coughs> one for. Uh, it's called San Leandro Tech Campus up in San Leandro in the East Bay. Uh, and it's and just to jump in too. I mean, there's it's the range of work <coughs> that we do. You know, it's the the first project that Steve was was talking about is it's a very large you know scale project. It's um, uh, developer uh, driven initially a spec office building. So <coughs> it's large in scale. It may not be as challenging as, and as innovative in some of the design schemes. That's just nature nature of the work. But this other project that he's talking about in San Leandro is is actually very exciting um as well it's developed it's exciting it's it well it's it's it's, it's, it's developer driven but it's a very unique challenging project because this particular uh developer um westlake urban it's a family-run uh business they they own a lot of uh, property that was kind of low market uh, value property they've had for a long time that lives in industrial areas or along the tracks. And, and this is a parcel that is in San Leandro. And there's nothing sexy about San Leandro. There's no big things going on there. But this is truly a challenging project. It's right um, at the BART station between BART station, um, uh, railroad, um, uh, Pacific Railroad runs through there. Uh, it's an industrial environment, uh, but it has this new life. And, and the demographics of, of the Bay Area have changed so much in, in, the, in kind of the work environment and the, and the technology, mm -hmm. where we've been so focused in the work in Silicon Valley as, as technology has grown. And over the last you know, five years, we've seen that shift move to San Francisco. And with all of the, the tech workers and the technology companies in San Francisco, there's this new energy. That that's growing there, and we're seeing the impact of that as as now it's starting to move into Oakland, and the Oakland market is is starting to grow, and the resources. Is that it the last several years? You think? Well, the last several years okay. is where we really started to see the shift, and and San Leandro is just perfectly you know located to be right in the epicenter of all this change, and uh, a city that's open for some change, a community that's ready for a little bit of change, um, a client that has this great uh, facility. It's 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 transit oriented design. It's right yeah. there at the BART station. Um, we have a great um, end user who also became a partner, which is a company, OSI Soft, where um, uh, Dr. Patrick Kennedy has become a partner. He's a founder of his own company. He's, he's embedded in San Leandro. So it's, it's a family-driven environment wow. to create this, this community for this end client and for this developer. And, it's, and I think it's been a lot of fun. So it's, it's a smaller project, but it's yeah. challenging because it's new to the city. Yeah. The first time they've done a larger scale Class A project. Um, and we have a, a client owner that's been open for some, some innovative design. Yeah. So, so uh, design opportunities have been great as well. Yeah. yeah. What and type it, of designs is, is it? Is it a, a modern, a classical? It, it's it's a yeah. it's so part of the challenge is um, is to get the economics to work because to build a building in in San Leandro costs exactly as much as it would be to build a building in Palo Alto or okay. or, or, yeah. or San Francisco. So, but you can't get as much rent. So um, the building itself is very simple, very straightforward. It's a six story uh, rectilinear building. Infrastructure is very efficient and very simple, uh, but the skin has a lot of dynamic character to it. Um, it's a building that you experience it differently because you're elevated uh, from BART. You're elevated uh, at a, a second level, so you experience the site and the building a little bit differently. You experience it at a different level of speed as BART com comes and goes, so the, the skin is relatively dynamic in, in the way it moves mm -hmm. in, 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 in its, in its um, kind of scale. How's and, the skin? And, and like, what is it? The material yeah. that we have on the skin is a lot of research that the Steve and, and team did. It's um, a, a product, uh, Neolith. Um, yeah, it's uh, 
So it's, it's actually a relatively new product. Um, uh, you know, we talked about that a little bit earlier. It's uh, uh, the, the firm or the, the, uh, the manufacturer uh, brought it to market in, you know, it was like 2009, 2010, I think it was. Uh, it's it's had a, a presence in uh, in Europe for uh, you know for a while since that time, but uh, but it, it hasn't uh, caught on or hadn't uh, you know uh, dug any roots in here in the United States. Mm -hmm. So uh, there's a handful of smaller projects that have used it. Um, this is the first of its magnitude uh, in the U.S. Certainly on a building size. Is that right? Size. Oh. Um, as an office building. What's the total the size of? I don't know if we talked about that. The size of the building? Yeah. Uh, it's 132,000 square okay. foot, uh, six-story. Um, the, the first of three buildings are up. Um, so this is phase one, correct? Yeah, phase yeah one. this okay. is phase one. So with the beauty of, of this product, and, and there's a couple of innovative uh, products yeah. on this project, but uh, this being one of them, um, it, what, was, what caught our attention was the fact that it was a, it was a large format material that gave us the look and feel that we wanted. So, again, with San Leandro, uh, you know, the history of San Leandro, um, you know, it has strong uh, roots in, in manufacturing and, in, you know, similar to the industrial, industrial economy that Russ was talking about. Yeah. I think they also had some Charlie Chaplin films made there. Seriously. I, you know what? Yeah. I, I've, I've heard that. This site actually was a Del Monte um, um, canning uh, okay. facility. So it yeah. had, had a lot of old... Industrial, uh, long gone since you know the site was empty when we started. But that history was, there, history there. here. Yeah. Jerry Garcia recording in his room. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Where else do you need Something to go? About that. The history, the uh, the future is making history. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, but but um, San Leandro also, you know, as Russ has mentioned, it's its location. It's yeah. uh, it's starting to serve a little bit of a different purpose, and I think there's a there's a shift uh, happening now. Uh, and and a, a part of that shift is, so a few years ago there was uh, uh, a joint private-public partnership uh, called Lit San Leandro that has taken place where uh, between City San Leandro and and Dr. Patrick Kennedy that, that what, Lit how do you Lit San Leandro L I T L I T okay and what this is is um, before this project started um, uh, Dr. Kennedy we spoke with him where. His company that was growing, founded a uh, 30-year business, growing in San Leandro. He was concerned that he was going to have to move his company to continuous growth into the valley where he could find better access to technology and, and bandwidth since he needs to, to, to have outward reach. As we got momentum on this and, and, and being San Leandro wanted to stay in San Leandro on his own from a philanthropic approach, um, developed uh, and created Lit San Leandro where Patrick Kennedy uh, was responsible for bringing uh, fiber uh, to the city. Hmm. And so he, you know, one day just sat down, looked at the infrastructure in the city, realized that if he could communicate with the city infrastructure, with BART, with AT&T, with the railroad, he found all the underground vaults that were already there, the empty conduits that probably been abandoned that lived there, and he put a proposal to say, if you guys give me access, I will provide you fiber for free. And everyone pretty much thought, oh, yeah. yeah, well, good luck getting that through this type of bureaucratic yeah. uh, policy. Six months later, um, fiber, and so he's continuing continuing that that role. Nice. So it's, it's a great it's yeah. a great read. It's to do a little research for uh, yeah. Lit San Leandro. It's it's a it's a fascinating approach of how how private and public got together and, and with someone's vision. Yeah, um, and it's allowed him to stay. 
So it's allowed him to stay and grow his business in San Leandro, and it's going to, I think, allow other businesses to grow there as well. Yeah. Do you see this happening, being a potential trend, at least here in the Bay Area, to where the the success of San Leandro kind of, they kind of replicate it in another city? Or are the dynamics the way they are in San Leandro that uh, may make it either challenging or adjustments needed? I think San Leandro is a little, is a little unique. Okay. You know, if you look at all the communities up and down the peninsula, from San Jose up to San Francisco, and you've seen what has taken place over the years in the growth of, of technology through Santa Clara and Sunnyvale and Mountain View, they've, they've gone through their transitions. Um, other communities um, are growing at a certain you know scale, a certain, certain rate. Um, there's always a challenge of that balance between you know jobs and, and housing. Uh, San Leandro is unique because it really was a place that hadn't engaged in this activity. They were still uh, predominantly okay. industrial. Uh, there were very few, you know, there were no, there, there are no Class A office buildings in San Leandro. This, this was a first. Um, so I think they were just ripe for this change. They're, they're ideally located. They're just a couple stops away on the BART line from, from San Francisco. They can draw from the East Bay uh, talent. So I think it is very unique right now for yeah. them being in that perfect spot. Yeah, especially next to transportation like that. How was that working with all the, uh, the cities? The city officials and the municipalities for that project. It's been it's been terrific. Yeah. Again, it, it's a community that really embraced this. So, um, um, it some of it was new to them, um, and so it became uh, an opportunity for them. It, there was a curiosity for them. There was participation. Uh, there was some outreach that took place. Uh, it's but it's been very successful. And part of that success is the fact that this wasn't just a developer coming in trying to make a buck. It was someone who really believed in some placemaking, thought saw the importance of this project, and having an end tenant who was also uh, a part of the community. And so uh, having that all together, there's been there's been great support about it. I see the connection again where, Steve, we talked a little earlier about there's a care factor. So it sounds like you're getting that not only within RMW, but you get that with your clients as well, whether they're existing clients or new ones, they still have that sort of mindset. How important is that mindset in your, you know, in your, your firm? Yeah, yeah it, it goes back to the alignment. Yeah, yeah and yeah. there's, um, you know, there's uh, alignment. Did you say alignment there, Russ? <laughs> I like that. That's a good one. <laughs> I like that. Important component. Yeah. Um, but, you know, to the sort of to, to the point of, uh, you know, some may have heard this, maybe more so through, you know, the sustainability movement, uh, you know, over the last 20 years or so. But, you know, the importance of the balance between, um, you know, people, planet, and profit, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, profit is an easy one. You know, that as a, as a single bottom line, um, uh, you know, you can, you can jump on that bandwagon. But when you're talking about m- more than just profit, uh, this is this – is, uh, an owner that I think believes in, in more than just that. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's, it's easy for us to, to connect, uh, to them. Um, and there's a lot of commonalities, you know, with regard to the importance of, um, you know, there's the, the relationship based stuff that's easy for us because they're a great developer. We've worked with other incredible developers as well. Yeah. Uh, this is one, as Russ has mentioned, there's a community factor here where, They've, um, you know, they're committed to uh, embracing the community over the long haul, and there's a there's a piece of this project that's um, that's now embedded in the community and and, and a connection that uh, it'll it will always be there. 
there, there's a there's a great way to take a look at this. For you know, we're going back to the this this material, the skin we put on the building of, of the Neolith. This this is not a community for a slick, glassy box you know building, and that was part of looking for a more industrial material. The Neolith has a recall of of rusted uh, Corten steel, so it's kind of an industrial looking uh, panel. Uh, that, great, that, that was able, I think, to give some, some great intensity um, and, and texture to the building that was pretty exciting. So that in itself is unique. This idea of community and, this, and this, um, the developer who wanted to be part of it, it has an art program that is, is just mind-blowing. Really? And, and most, I, I have a hard time uh, personally with what I see generally that's public art. Because public art, art, unfortunately, is driven by committee. You know, you, you build a building, a municipality has a requirement of 1% of construction costs go to, to art, sure. and there's a committee that's there to receive that decision. And art by committee is just watered down. And with San Leandro, I remember uh, the final day of going through the entitlements and being in front of council, the project close to being approved, and a council member kind of uh, speaking up and asking staff, oh, by the way, do we have a public art requirement? And the staff says, yes, like many cities, it's a 1% of the cost. And so, okay, that's good. Uh, do we have a committee? Well, we don't have a committee. Uh, we could put one together. Uh, no, you know what? We like what's been put in front of this. This developer is really embedded in the community. Uh, why don't you just pursue it, and we'll trust staff to uh, to, to vet it out. Oh, that's awesome. So we're able okay. to go through a, through a program gotcha. um, with it without having to uh, deal with the committee. So, yeah. so the art is really, really strong that I'd love to touch on. Nice, definitely. This is The Modern Architect on KZSU Stanford 90.1 FM. Our guests today are Steve Stenton, Russ Nichols, and Stephanie Silkwood of RMW, headquartered in San Francisco, California. Find them online at rmw.com. That is rmw.com. Did you know that a study found an average of three pieces of trash along every foot of Bay Area streams leading into the Bay? The trash you drop in the street can end up in the San Francisco Bay or the ocean, where it can kill wildlife such as seals, seabirds, and turtles. Join with more than 50,000 Save the Bay supporters, advocates, and volunteers to protect our bay and make it cleaner and healthier for people and wildlife. Please visit SaveSFBay.org. That's SaveSFBay.org. This is The Modern Architect on KZSU Stanford 90.1 FM. Our guests today are Steve Stenton, Russ Nichols, and Stephanie Silkwood of RMW, headquartered in San Francisco, California. Find them online at rmw.com. That is rmw.com. Touch on, please, the uh, the art facet that you were talking about, Russ. You will, this is something that I think will be familiar to, to a lot of your listeners and anyone who wants to will dig into it. Is we're all uh, a little familiar with uh, Burning Man. <laughs> Which definitely has some provocative... Guys. Pay <laughs> <laughs> attention. There's some great provocative yeah. art that is, that is done uh, at Burning Man. And um, there's an artist, um, uh, Marco Cochran, who had been uh, working on a few pieces, and, and where he was getting all of his attention is the scale he was able to deliver for some of his work at, at Burning Man. And this particular client uh, developer... Um, who'd been paying attention to that, uh, saw an opportunity, started a dialogue, and one of the original pieces that, uh, that, that Marco did uh, is called Truth is Beauty. 
And uh, truth is beauty. Yeah, there, okay. there, are, there are three um, sculptures that um, that he created. This was the first one. It's um, it's it's a it's um, it's a, um, a nude uh, of a woman that stands seventy five feet tall, and in such a, an elegant and graceful pose of just pure beauty uh, and awe inspiring. And the story behind it is a provocative story. It, it, it's all ab about the idea of not objectifying women. And, and the scale of this is so immense that you can't, in your mind, have anything but awe. Really? And, and the piece of art in, is, is inscripted in, in, the, in the base of, of the work. The story is, imagine a world where women are safe. And so it's, it's, a, it's a provocative story, it's a controversial story, and if you would have put that in front of a committee, it never would have made it this far. But it gained so much momentum that by the time the public arena and maybe even some of the politicians saw what was going on, once the story is told, there's no way you can raise your hand and say, well, I don't want that story being told. Yeah. So it's found its way into the community. And it has been very controversial. There's a lot of people that are against it, a lot of people that love it, but it's created so much dialogue, so much discussion. And, it, and so it truly is a core piece of placemaking and, and it's bringing and soon as you travel up and down BART Sam Ando is going to be known from this piece of, of, of work because that's what you see at the BART station and this building company. yeah so you'll have to check that out and, and the yeah. idea is about uh, it's about the conversation you know so whether it's you know whether somebody has uh, you know a, a sort of a, a negative feeling about it um, I think uh, there's there's a huge majority that uh, that embraces this uh, huge. Uh, so, uh, you know, again, w regardless of what you know, someone feels about the art, it's about the conversation and around social justice. So this is a symbol of, you know, power and humanity. Uh, you know, it was, it was amazing. Uh, so I, you know, doing my punch list walk uh, on the building and the site. Project. Following the power of humanity? Is that what you... Is it? No, it's uh, pretty bold. It's oh yeah, for an architect. <laughs> Steve's so, on fire, man. <laughs> well, so on. Uh, well, I was on site doing, uh, you know, this punchless walkthrough, um, you know, making sure that the building was, you know, completed as uh, as designed, the intent. Um, I was walking past the artwork, mm -hmm. and uh, there were two gentlemen that, you know, just weren't part of the project. I don't know if they were, uh, you know, now tenants, you know employees in the building if they were just walking through there have been uh people on a regular basis that just come up to the sculpture and photograph it and and are just in just in awe of the the pure art unfortunately there's a great building as a backdrop yeah <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> course, yeah 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 we sort of joke about that synergistic um yeah. but uh but these <laughs> these two guys you know they're you know again they're, they stop me and they're saying oh and maybe I looked like I was somewhat important. Who knows? I had a, I had a clipboard, right? <laughs> so, um, you know, they said, hey, do you, do you, you know, uh, they uh, point upward to it. Did you know anything about the story behind this? And, you know, it was, uh, it was sort of, you know, I just had to take a pause, yeah. you know, for a moment. And I realized uh, this conversation is what this piece of art is about, you know. Um, and so I, you know, uh, probably spent the next 15 or 20 minutes uh, talking to them, and then afterwards, I realized I'm walking away with my clipboard. That um, honestly, there was something important about this day um, 
that was even bigger than the building and the, and the project that I was working on. Yeah. And it had to do with this uh, uh, with this piece and, and and sort of getting the getting the word and starting the conversation. So it's 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 strong and powerful. Let's just yeah. Do that. How the punchless turn out? Yeah, still working on it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that, that's real. Yeah, yeah. It's, that uh, there's a there's a, a theme I'm noticing about the conversation you talk about and the relationships with people, and obviously you build a building, and there's so much more than just the design. Um, actually, more than the design, and uh, it lasts uh, uh, a long time, if not beyond all of our lifetimes. Yeah. The kind of work you're doing. How do you feel about that? That that your work could uh, will be here longer than we are here you know we have to always be cognizant of that and, and that's a challenge it, if if you're working for a client um who is a visionary and thinks that way then you're already aligned for the permanence of this decision how important this this design is but we also work with a lot of a lot of developers or corporations where these are business decisions. It's a real estate decision, and so you're always fighting that battle of well, that costs too much, so we can't do that. And how do we simplify, simplify, simplify? And that's kind of a challenge you see of a lot of the design, you know, in the Bay Area that that it's 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 hard to embrace for a lot of people to embrace good design because it it costs a little bit more money. But you have to, to keep in, in context that this is something that's here forever. It's going to be here for a long time. So it's an important decision. So we have that challenge. It's great when we find clients that, that feel that way, see that way, or they know that this, 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 this piece of real estate is going to be within their own personal portfolio for a while, and they have a sense of pride, um, or it's a company that knows the importance of it. Um, but we have to challenge that every day, even in the projects that, that from a cost-constraint standpoint, we have to be responsible for that. Mm-hmm. And, but we've got to do the best we can every step of the way on every design detail um, uh, with that knowledge that, yes, whatever we do, it's going to be here for a long time. So you, you got to keep your eye on the ball for that. Yeah. yeah. You know, and to add to that, too, uh, speaking of being here for a long time, uh, <laughs> one thing we haven't touched much on is, uh, you know, is, yeah, the building will be there a long time. Um, but how we go about uh, selecting materials, you know, how we go about, uh, you know, the energy performance of a building and, and uh, you know, things are sort of going more towards uh, net zero energy and there's a reason for that. So, you know, it's interesting as, as architects, you know, probably I want to say, okay, so maybe 20 years ago, um, sustainability wasn't in the conversation, you know. Uh, lead, you know, yeah. which was something that started the conversation, you know, back in the early mid-90s, you know, um, which if our listeners don't know, stands for Leadership in uh, Energy and Environmental Design, yeah. and uh, and it's a uh, just a process to just start the conversation about sustainability. And so uh, this project, San Leandro Tech Campus, uh, you know, is one of those that um, took that to heart as well. And and so, it's not just about building a good building, but how did you build that building? And so, um, that's something as architects, as designers, uh, and not just us, but everybody in in the industry that touches these things, um, uh, is going to be it's it's going to be something that's that's part of every day. It sort of is now, yeah. and it'll continue to be that way. This is The Modern Architect on KZSU Stanford 90.1 FM. Our guests today are Steve Stenton, Russ Nichols, 
and Stephanie Silkwood of RMW, headquartered in San Francisco, California. Find them online at rmw.com. That is rmw.com. Every Friday at 12 noon, Philosophy Talk delivers a great hour of radio. The program celebrates the value of an examined life. Stanford professors Ken Taylor and John Perry carry on conversation on a wide variety of issues ranging from pop culture to our most deeply held beliefs about science, morality, and the human condition. Philosophy Talk is accessible, intellectually stimulating, and most of all fun. Don't miss this weekly series kicking off a three-hour block of community programming Fridays at noon on KZSU. This is The Modern Architect on KZSU Stanford 90.1 FM. Our guests today are Steve Stenton, Russ Nichols, and Stephanie Silkwood of RMW, headquartered in San Francisco, California. Find them online at rmw.com. That is rmw.com. So you mentioned it's a part of the conversation. Obviously, it is now. Um, do, you, do you foresee a time where it's just, except this is just the way you do it? Yes. I think we're already there. Yeah, we're, okay. we're already there. We're already there. We're already there here in the Bay Area, here in California. You, 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 you start you know, stretching out a little bit, and it's being mandated still by a lot of municipalities. But I think you know, our, our social awareness and conscience here is so high that it is embedded now in everything that we do. For us, it's embedded what we do. We, we, it, you know, sustainable design is not an ad service. I mean, it, it's yeah. everything we do. It's, it's just part of responsible design. And I think that the projects that we work on, the clients that we work with, see that as well, and they understand that. So now it is becoming just a you know a matter of course. Yeah. And part of what we do too is um, you know is constantly wanting to raise the bar. You know, uh, you know, with as Russ was saying, so the the, the code in California now, which uh, has been around for a few years, uh, you know, the Green Building Code. Um, uh, it is in, in California. It's at a certain level. It's it's standard. It's just part of what we do. Mm-hmm. But what we also have to be conscious of is to continue to raise that bar. Uh, and I think that's going to take place over, uh, you know, over another decade, two yeah. decades, uh, because we have to look at the big picture. I mean, there's always a better way to do something, but just the fact that we're thinking about it and 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 knowing that there's uh, an arrow that you know uh, we're continuing to move uh, is, is the most important thing. And that's actually relatively new. Like I said, it's it's been around for a very short period of time. Yeah. Relatively for speaking. The first net zero building that we that we completed, what, that was maybe three years ago? Two years ago? Yeah, yeah, there was... Um, that's, uh, that's recent. Yeah, and yeah. if you want us to sort of touch on that. To yeah, you could tell, you know, one of the questions I had that we talked about that, about the uh, architecture, it's, it's always evolving. And, um, uh, the expectations. What, what are the expectations for young aspiring architects in in the field, and in the, um, uh, and just in general? Do you do you see them adapting to that mindset? Uh, I see them leading them. <laughs> I mean, this this is what's unique, and I and I consider it with a perspective because of of some longevity. You know, mm-hmm. I've, I've been practicing for over thirty years, and I I remember my attitude coming out of school. It was just about design, 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 you know, build great things. And I've seen, uh, and, and because I've talked to, I've interviewed, I've hired um, uh, students coming out of school, and I, I would say now there is not 
today's youth. I mean, there's not a student coming out that doesn't have a social awareness, doesn't have an agenda uh, to try to do well for the planet. And, and it's, it's exciting. It's invigorating. It's, it's just built into the DNA now of, of what we do. So it's no longer something that we need to try to sell, that we need to try to, to enforce. It's, it, it's there. And our audience is seeing it as well. These corporations and these companies we work for, they see it because it's being demanded of them from their new hires. And, and this environment's all about retention of, of good talent. So they listen. The, you know, the large corporations that didn't used to do this. They pay attention to, the, to their employee base uh, so they can keep them. And yeah. everyone has a social awareness now. And, and I think it's, it's definitely impacting uh, the built environment in a major way, which yeah. is great. Yeah, and, and, and uh, it would be nice. Your firm obviously has is on the leading edge of this, and it's Stephanie. And t- please tell us a little about Stephanie. I, I'm more than intrigued about her uh, her skill sets here. Well, I, I would first add that, you know, I think the younger architects coming up through the workforce not only have a good understanding of that social consciousness that Russ was mentioning, but also how technology is changing the industry. And I think that um, young architects are really empowered by their ability to use technology and see how it's changing the workforce and you know trying to keep up with it, it because really we have the power um, to bring those technologies up in through our industry and um, see how we can make smarter buildings and and um, these things are enabling us to create more sustainable buildings to create healthier buildings. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that we've been healthier buildings. Yeah. I like that. Okay. One of the things is kind of the, the next step for us um, as an industry is to look at wellness um, within buildings. So not just how well is the building performing, but how well are the occupants thriving within the building. So um, within the firm, that's something that we've started to focus on. Um, and uh, there are a number of us who are pursuing what's called a well-accredited professional um, certification to help our clients make healthier spaces. Okay. Is that a program that you, you've proprietary program that you put together? or, or? It, It's a certification that's similar to uh, LEED for buildings. So just like a client could um, get their building certified for how well it's performing, they can also get their building certified for how well their occupants are thriving in the environment. Okay, great. Is there, I I have a a quote, that's not really a quote, it's kind of a a mindset that we've been speaking about is, and there's no right or wrong answer, but what is your thought on, is one, a person, meaning one, is one creative or one discovers? Is as I said, there's no right or wrong answer. There's what, what I'm interested in your perspective, Steve, Russ. I, I do you think you create or do you? Okay, it's, it's a little of both. You, 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 creative is kind of a mindset, but it goes nowhere. I mean, you, you, it's through discovery that it, that it evolves into something that's tangible, and and I and I think that that's that's something that in our profession you. You're drawn to it. I think people are drawn to design, drawn to architecture because of the aesthetic from a, from a creative standpoint. Others may just be drawn to it uh, you know, just for a sense of, of place, but very few are drawn to it because of the technical characteristics, the project management, the business side of it. But once you get into it, I think you just you find where you thrive. Uh, but even in that process, 
there's a, a certain amount of creativity to it. We're, we're, we're trained as problem solvers. And, and so there's a creative solution. We always talk about it. There's a creative solution to everything we do. That's why maybe we struggle. We think there's a creative way to do accounting. <laughs> we think there's a creative way yeah. you know, to, 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 to do every, every aspect of our, of our profession. We think there's another way to do it. There's another way to think about it, another create, creative way to do yeah. it. So I think it's, it's, it's embedded in you. But it's the discovery of, 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 of that process to find something tangible, you know, as a, as a solution. Yeah. Steve, how's your, your take? Well, you know, they say creativity is the mother of invention, right? So, I mean, uh, I think that some of our best design decisions, um, uh, you know, whether individual or, or you know, group-based, is when you're pushed. You know, I mean, you know, anybody can make, you know, decisions, um, you know, with – what's on you know what's on the market what's on the shelf and what's typically done and you know you can do it over and over again um, uh, but you know when you're tested when you're really really tested um, I think I think you're you're in the bowels of creativity bowels of creativity the Steve bowels. is on today he is <laughs> he is it must be the headset with the golden ring huh yeah that's right it's, 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 uh, it's my inspiration <laughs> that's so. great there, there, there's a certain amount of rigor to it, though. It, it's not just by accident. Or it's not just like we're you know you're just you're just flowing sketches and develop them. There is a, a fair amount of rigor that sometimes can be work. I mean, you have to you have to understand that okay, that's great. I I have a great solution here, but don't stop. You got to force yourself. Look again. Look again. Look again. You know, it's 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 hard for for a client sometimes to accept the fact that in order for us to have a successful project, that we're asking them to pay us for if we if they only knew that that we throw away probably 10 times more than we keep mm. in a design idea, right that we have to fail we have mm. to to push and fail push and fail push and fail and come up with a great solution so that trial and error process of always iteration and iterate iterate to get through um, is what's going to get you i think a good solution but it takes a little bit of rigor uh, to to keep that mindset throughout everyone who's working on a project to keep What's next? What's next? What's another idea? Try this again. Try something new. Yeah. Um, but it, I think it brings great success in doing that. You know, the, the, the Warriors are doing so well right now, so I'm going to make a basketball analogy here. <laughs> okay. So, you know, we talk about, um, you know, off-the-court and on-the-court work. And, uh, you know, so the on-the-court is what everybody sees. You know, that's when the lights are on and the, and the game is, is, is happening. Um, you know, whether you're at the city, whether you're making a presentation, whether you're – uh, you know, putting putting together what what is out and about that that everybody can see, but uh, it's really off the court stuff, and and that is probably ten times. You know, it's it's the practice, it's the work that you put in, uh, the different design decisions and solutions that get thrown in the garbage can that nobody sees. Maybe one person sees, maybe a small group sees. Um, and to me, uh, you know, that's where success lies is in the practice off the court. Awesome. Steve, Russ, Stephanie, it's been an honor and privilege having you here, really. Thank you very much for, for being here. Thanks so much. It's been, it's been, a, been a great joy, great, great uh, conversation. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. You've been listening to The Modern Architect. I'm Tom Dioro. Our guest today has been Steve Stenton, Russ Nichols, and Stephanie Silkwood of RMW. RNW is an innovative, award-winning architecture and interior design firm with a collaborative culture. 
Their mission is to create inspired human environments through the power of responsible design. For more information, go to rmw.com. That's rmw.com. Join us again next time when we welcome another outstanding architect, influencer, or civic leader committed to positive and sustainable cities, communities, and lives. The Modern Architect is recorded at Stanford University Studios in Palo Alto, California. It is a production of KZSU Radio. The recording engineer is Akshay Jaggi. Assistant engineer is McGregor Joyner. And we're all assisted by Bryce Carter. The production manager is Akshay. And the executive producer and host of The Modern Architect is Tom Diora. Thank you for tuning in.